We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good afternoon and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm Sammy Jacobs. Along with me is TJ Emmon, and we have our guest Andy Graham, formerly of the Bloomington Herald Times, iuhoosiers.com, uh, and everything else. Uh, there is no bigger football expert than Andy Graham on all things IU football, and we're bringing him in to talk about Von Dunbar and Antoine Randall L being on the College Football Hall of Fame ballot for 2023. Uh, we'll touch about um, his memories of those two great players, maybe why Antoine Randall-L isn't in the College Football Hall of Fame yet, what they meant to the program, uh, and things like that. But first, TJ, how are you doing? Doing very well. Yeah, excited to, to have Andy on and um, – Definitely looking forward to a chat about a couple of all-time greats before we transition to uh, talking about this current crop of Hoosiers, which uh, we don't think contains any college football Hall of Famers, but hopefully uh, a more successful season than what we witnessed last year. Yeah, so if, if people missed it yesterday, um, on Monday, the College Football Hall of Fame came out with their annual ballot, Antoine Randall L., uh, all-time, one of the great quarterbacks in IU history and college football history, um, is on the ballot yet again. And Von Don Dunbar, who was a really, really good running back um, that kind of gets overshadowed a little bit by uh, Anthony Thompson, who is a college football Hall of Famer, uh, and some of the other IU running backs. Uh, they were on the ballot yesterday. It is for the class of 2023, so they'll be uh, announced Sometime early next year, hopefully both of them uh, receive the votes that they need to get in. Uh, Andy, first of all, how are you doing? Uh, and then we'll get into talking about uh, two of IU's best. Well, thanks. I'm, I'm doing. I'm doing. I'm doing well. Family's doing well. I'm basking in retirement, and uh, I enjoy following uh, IU sports as much as I ever have. And uh, uh, yeah, it's meaningful for me to to think about and talk about guys such as Antoine and Vaughn, who I was privileged to watch play uh, for the, you know, the, the entirety of their careers. And uh, uh, yeah, I think they're very worthy candidates for the College Hall of Fame. And as you said, it's a bit a bit puzzling why Antoine isn't in already, to be honest. Um, uh, both of those guys were finished sixth in the Heisman voting uh, uh, their, their senior years. Um, uh, both, of, both of those guys, um, you know, left record. You, you mentioned Anthony Thompson and Von Dunbar was Anthony's uh, uh, replacement, basically, which is, you know, obviously huge shoes to fill. 
And, and Vaughn uh, came out of Fort Wayne Snyder and then went to Juco and came and played two years at IU. But his senior year, he set a single season rushing record. He broke Anthony Thompson's season single, uh, uh, single season rushing record as a senior and uh, was a tremendous back to watch. He, he was um, in a little Barry Sanders in him. He, he wasn't that explosive, uh, obviously not quite of that caliber, but he was very elusive. And he also had power. He could tuck it in. Bill Mallory liked guys who could tuck it up in there and run between the tackles, and Vaughn could certainly do that. And uh, really talented guy. I mean, he was uh, uh, he made the uh, Pro Football Writers Association uh, Rookie of the Year team his first year with uh, down in New Orleans, and then like a lot of running backs, got hurt and and it kind of derailed his career. But really talented guy. Um, I remember watching him. I think when I think about Vaughn Dunbar, the game that comes to mind first for me was a 27-27 tie at Missouri. It was at Faro Field in, in Missouri. And Missouri at that time in 1991, it was, it was the, one of the first schools to try what we now call field turf. So that they had the rubber pellets and they hadn't figured it out yet. The, tech, <laughs> the technology wasn't mastered yet. And the, the pellets and the dirt and everything were, were coming up, you know, to the top of the turf so much that everybody was falling on their posterior the entire game. I mean, really, guys couldn't stand up. It was just a travesty. The one guy who could stand up was Vaughn Dunbar, who had such great balance and, and the way he ran on the balls of his feet. He could run, he had like, I don't know, 265 yards or something like that that, that day. And uh, Indiana should have won the game, but uh, ended up being the tie. But I'll always remember that. Everybody else fell down except Vaughn. And Vaughn, Vaughn could keep motoring. And uh, uh, just a tremendous player. And then if I want to talk, you know, shoot, I could I could use a whole half hour talking about Antoine, who uh, uh, and I'm, I'm really old. Uh, and, and I've followed IU football for a long time. And I go back to the Rose Bowl team and whatnot. And Antoine is without doubt the most exciting player that I ever saw. Uh, in an Indiana uniform, uh, Indiana football uniform. Uh, he was worth the price of admission. I, I, I always, it always, I was always chagrined uh, during that time when Antoine played that we didn't have bigger crowds, which I, I really couldn't understand. I mean, he was, he was worth the price of admission by himself. He was unbelievably good. TJ, you, you watched, I, I did not become an IU football fan until, um, 2002 so i missed the randall l era what about randall l stood out to everybody in, in your opinion oh well i mean a couple of things antoine randall l is it's the reason that i'm a passionate iu football fan i mean he uh i, I think andy while certainly much longer experienced than, than what i have as an iu fan i mean there's there's nobody that i've seen that could elevate the level of a unit just by himself because there was very little else around Antoine Randall there were some good players but as a whole team just not a lot there that was going to be able to help Antoine elevate the Indiana Hoosiers to a winning team and we saw that I mean despite his greatness they were still I think the best year that they had was was his last one. Uh, I think they went five and six. Um, just, 
I, I think that his ability to make defenders miss, stay alive in the pocket, either make the throw or escape, and in the open field, he was electric. Uh, he had the ability to make multiple defenders miss, turn in a, a what looked like a two or three yard gain into you know a 60 yard touchdown run. Uh, a better passer than people give him credit for. Uh, he was not an NFL level passer for sure, uh, but a, a you know good enough passer to be a real threat with his arm as well. Um, but I, what most stands out was whenever he had the ball, you felt and you knew I have to watch. I have to watch because I do not know what he's going to do next. Um, and it, it is still one of my, uh, you know, one of my major sports regrets is that he did not have at least one postseason run uh, as an IU football player, because I, I continue to believe if he could have had a slightly better supporting cast I think he could have made a, a real run at the Heisman Trophy. Um, unfortunately, that that's just it wasn't to be. Uh, but I I think that Andy would probably agree with this. Um, there were a few players throughout, and I'll go back 30 years. That's how long I can kind of remember watching college football. Uh, I put two guys, Antoine Randall and Vince Young as players that I felt like I absolutely have to watch every time they've got the ball. Andy probably has a few others as well, but that's what stands out most to me. You did not know what he was going to do because every time he played, he did something that you just couldn't believe you saw. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I, I do agree with that. Uh, you know, the numbers back it up. I mean, you know, he was the first player uh, in NCAA history to, passed for 6,000 yards and rushed for 3,000. He was the first 40-40 guy uh, with uh, 45, and I think it was 42 um, career touchdown passes and like 45 touchdowns scored, either running or receiving. He actually caught a couple of touchdown passes. Um, he, he, so the, he, the numbers were just off the charts, but but the the, uh, the it was watching him play that was the real attraction because he was – Unique is an overused word, but I think it applies to Antoine. I've never seen anybody like him. Uh, just dazzling, dazzling player. Uh, just inventive, uh, mercurial, unpredictable, but made good decisions. And as DJ said, he was a better passer than people uh, gave him credit for. He was a he was a he was a good passer. Uh, hell, he threw a, a touchdown pass in the Super Bowl. But but he he was he was somebody who was like the most dynamic player. I've ever seen in an Indiana uniform, and 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 I've seen a lot of really good ones. You know, there was a good players on his team. I would, the, the his senior year, that was a good football team. Uh, it was unfortunate yeah. they they went five and six. Um, they had some dudes though. Uh, they had a lot of pros on that team. They had Jeremy Johnson, Craig Osika, Courtney Roby, Kent Rasmussen, uh, Enoch Demar, Chris Dealman. I mean, a lot. They, they, had, they had a lot of guys who played in the NFL on that team. I'm probably missing some guys. Um, yeah, Amanda I'm, Jones, I'm I think. Pardon me? I'm still kind of 
mad at the non-conference schedule that they played that year. Yeah, um, I, mean, I remember. Yeah, remember, they opened. Man. Yeah, no. Remember, they opened up at North Carolina State with Philip Rivers, and uh, and and they were trying to help Antoine. They had discussed it with Antoine. They all kind of knew his future was as a wide receiver at the next level of the NFL. So they had Tommy Jones start a quarterback and put Antoine out at wideout, and it did not work well. Tommy Jones was a serviceable quarterback for sure, but it didn't work well. And North Carolina State ripped him, and they put Antoine back quarterback for the second game against Utah, a really good Utah team that came in, and IU lost that game by two points. Um, and they would have played Kentucky early that year, but it was 2001. It was after the, the 9-11 attack and, and tragedy. Uh, and so the Kentucky game ended up being the final game of the year. They did, in fact, beat Kentucky, but I've always thought that if they'd had a chance to play Kentucky and beat them early in the year and gain some momentum, uh, a little bit of confidence and belief, then uh, they might have they might have gone on and had a winning record. Uh, toward the end of the year, they won four out of the last five. They beat a a good Michigan State team, number twenty two ranked Michigan State team on the road, pretty handily. Um, so it was just a shame, as you say, that Antoine never really got the national exposure that would have come with a bowl game and, and, and more success because yeah, I, I think he absolutely could have challenged for the Heisman trophy. Now the, the, the elephant in the room is why, why is he not in the college football hall of fame? Is it just because he didn't have the team success at Indiana that some other people had, or is it? I don't know, man. I mean, his numbers are just undeniable. I mean, just, just, uh, I, I, I'm not sure, uh, to be honest with you. He's, he's um, I mean, Indiana, Indiana, I mean, if, if I were going to list greatest players of all time for right football, I mean, he's right up there. I mean, you got, you got Pete Pihos at George Talley, Farrell, guys like that from the uh, 1945 unbeaten Big Ten championship team. And you've got, you know, you had, uh, you know, I, I'll always have a soft spot for Harry Gonzo and John Eisenbarger and, Jade Butcher and all those guys from the Rose Bowl team and whatnot. And the Mallory years produced some really good players. I mean, uh, uh, Von Dunbar played with Trent Green, you know, who was an outstanding quarterback in the NFL for quite a number of years. But Antoine, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, didn't, I didn't get to see guys like, like Pihos and Taliaferro. So Antoine is the best player I've ever seen at Indiana. And so I, I'm not sure. Uh, any you, you talk to anybody around the Big Ten who was around when Antoine played, and I think they would share our our disappointment and uh, lack of understanding about why Antoine isn't already in. He should be. All right, switching gears to 2022, um, Andy and TJ. Uh, Andy, we'll start with you. Coming off a two and ten season. How important is it to, to have a bounce back, especially with Illinois being the opener? Uh, you know, going 0-9 in the Big Ten last year, it's a, a game that the early Vegas lines have IU favored by a couple points. How big is this game to start the season, and how important is this season to Tom Allen uh, and his tenure and legacy at IU? Well, really important. Um 
it's hard to say that about an opener. Openers tend to be a bit squirrely and they don't always uh, augure, uh, they, they don't always represent what's going to happen for the balance of the season. Um, but I think it's a really important opener in, in terms of setting the tone, in terms of riding the ship and uh, all of that. And I think that this upcoming season could well determine the trajectory of Tom's coaching career. And I, and, and I think he understands that probably. And I think that a lot of people around the program understand it. I guess one of the reasons why spring practice was closed up and kept on the lowdown because they want to take every advantage they can into that Illinois game, which is going to help set the tone for the season. I mean, I think that uh, Tom wants to exercise every possible advantage he can. And in this case, Illinois plays a game before they play Indiana. And Indiana, it's Indiana's opener. So Illinois is going to have the advantage of having the shakedown crews the week before. Whereas Indiana, one of the things Indiana can deploy is a bit of surprise. They've got a new offensive coordinator. And so Tom's going to try to keep everything under wraps, I think, until the opener and try and uh, show Illinois some things that Illinois hasn't seen yet uh, from a Tom Allen team. So I think that that's going to be a really interesting night. Um, there should be, I think, a decent crowd. Uh, it's an opener. I think people are going to be interested. I think Illinois will bring some people. Uh, and it's really important for Indiana to, uh, to set the tone. I mean, I think that um, I, one thing that I kind of like, I don't know if TJ and you would agree with this or not, but um, there, there's going to be like zero expectations for this Indiana team after what happened last year. Um, that, you know, people are going to be picking them last or next to last in the division or whatever. They're, they're, there's not going to be any expectations. And I kind of like the notion of Indiana going in with a chip on its shoulder and feeling like it has something to prove and really, really being hungry. And I think that's going to be the case here. Um, and I like the fact that Indiana is going to probably show Illinois some things that Illinois hasn't seen on, on, on film before. Um, so yeah, I think it's a really important game and I think that if they lose it, it's not going to necessarily torpedo the entire season, but it's going to be, it's going to make, uh, gaining, you know, people's interest and in gaining people, you know, like fannies in the seats more, you know, uh, it's going to be tougher to do that. Um, I actually think this Indiana team has some talent, um, and it's just going to be fascinating to watch because, half of the staff is new and uh, probably two fifths of the roster is new. Um, so that's one thing that I think makes uh, prognostication and expectations a little bit uh, beside the point anyway, you know, we're just going to have to wait and see, but important game and obviously a crucial season. TJ, do you like flying under the radar? I know I, I like it until I look at the website numbers and, with no expectations, yeah. <laughs> people don't come and read stuff, but that's neither here nor there. I do like flying under the radar. I think this IU team plays better. Um, flying under the radar and being and having, as you said, Andy, that chip on their shoulder uh, and having a little edge to them. Uh, but TJ, how about you? Do you like flying under the radar? Yeah, I mean, from for me, it doesn't really make a difference what any of us feel, uh, unfortunately, or I guess fortunately for the Hoosiers, our our impact on the field is uh, is non-existent. Um, but I I think that we have seen before that 
Indiana football showed a, if you want to say a lack of maturity or a lack of kind of been there, done that, uh, they did not handle success last offseason. Um, that was proven out by the results. Now, several things played into that. Uh, you know, you had injuries. You had uh, a couple of calls that did not go their way early on, and things snowballed. That's all true, but I do think it is a, a statement of fact to say there were expectations all offseason, a lot of attention being paid to the program, and players did not handle that the way that they needed to. Uh, a couple of players during the offseason this year said as much, that they, they worked hard just with a slightly different intensity and attention to detail than was required. Um, yeah, but, yeah, Michael McFadden said that even during the season last year, toward yeah, the I end believe, of the season. I believe it was either after Rutgers or Minnesota that he said yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's absolutely, you know, part of what happened last year. There were a lot of, as CJ said, there were a lot of factors, uh, you know, if you're doing a postmortem about it. Uh, one of the things that happened, I think, without doubt, though, was that Michael Penix wasn't really ready. And Indiana put all of its chips into that quarterback basket. And it just, you know, I mean, just two or three minutes into the Iowa game, uh, everybody could tell that was going to be an issue, at least for the, for the, uh, at least to start the season. And quarterback play is so crucial to any football team. And uh, it obviously wasn't going to be good enough. Uh, Michael wasn't really ready. He wasn't really back uh, the way he needed to be. He wasn't, uh, he was just sort of a, uh, yeah, it, it was, it was just a pale, uh, comparison to what he had been before. Uh, and the offensive line play wasn't good enough. You know, let's just say it, it just wasn't. And uh, I think the defense played actually reasonably to expectations for the first five or six games, maybe. And then it gave up the ghost because the offense was in such disarray and was so ineffectual uh, that yeah. I, think, I think the team just kind of understood that they weren't going to win many football games. And so it was really, it was really difficult, but I, you know, I, I agree. I think I, and, I, and once again, we're not behind the scenes uh, to the point where we can gauge how hard or what, what kind of effort people put into the off season. But when the players themselves come out and say, yeah, it really wasn't what it needed to be, at least with some of the guys, um, then obviously that's an issue. Um, and I think that once again, I think it's going to be, it's going to feed some hunger within the team to really attack the offseason this year, I think. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'll say something else about culture, if that's okay. Uh, um, yeah, you know, people, you know, people have questioned, you know, like, gosh, did the, did the team's culture just sort of unravel last year and whatnot? And I, I don't really think that's true. And the reason I think that's true is because I look at all of the guys who could have, uh, you know, concluded their careers and moved on with their lives or moved on to the next level. Uh, look how many guys chose to come back at virtually every unit on the team. Uh, you know, Luke Hager coming back on the offensive line, Cam Jones coming back a linebacker. Uh, you know, uh, you got, you got multiple defensive linemen who decided to come back. So, you know, like some guys entered the transfer portal, some guys concluded their, their, 
their careers. But, you know, Demarcus Elliott didn't have to come back. James Head didn't have to come back. Cam Jones didn't have to come back. Monster Matthews. I mean, you could go on and on. Um, there are guys on like virtually every unit who decided to stay. I mean, Matthews, the, the, the wide receiver, you know, had the injury last year, which is another factor early that really hurt the team because he was going to be a weapon. Um, yeah. He chose to come back and play another year. So when I see really key veterans like that <clears throat> opting to, to come back and play again, that tells me that the, the, the culture is actually pretty healthy. And now we need the uh, performance on the field to get better. Yeah, Andy, I talked to – we had our one-on-one -on -one in Tom Allen's office. I asked him that question. I said, "Did at any point – and it, TJ, this is your question uh, you had for, for him. At any point did you feel like the LEO culture uh, was lost or broken or, you know, or, or something like that? He said, no. He said that the culture is the reason why we kind of stuck together a little bit at the end. Um, mm -hmm. so I think the, the culture there, I wouldn't call it super healthy, but I think it, it's well ingrained and we'll see if, you know, we'll see if it could stand, uh, stand the test. That's why this Illinois game, in, in my opinion, so, so important. You need something to show for, it. um, you know, all the, the good things about the LEO, the LEO culture, um, and, and another loss, it's just bad vibes and, and, you could see I, – I don't even want to think about what would happen, but it, it, it'd be nice to, to end that. Um, to, to wrap up the podcast, I, I want to ask each of you, uh, what is one thing you're optimistic about for the 2022 season, and what's one reason to kind of be cautious about the 2022 season? Uh, Andy, we'll start with you. Oh, boy. I mean, I think, uh, as I said, there's some talent on this team, including some guys that the fans haven't seen yet. They really haven't seen Sean Shivers run. <clears throat> they really you know, haven't seen, uh, you know, wide receivers. You know, we got you know, transfer from North Carolina coming in. We got Camp Camper coming in. We got we got some guys who are going to see the ball that the fans haven't seen yet, who I think uh, – I think the fans are going to like, I'll tell you, Jalen Lucas, that kid from new Orleans, uh, uh, he's got a little Rondale Moore in him. Uh, he's really, really elusive. And, uh, you know, they have people coming in that I think fans are going to like that are going to augment Indiana's chance to win football games. Uh, we haven't even talked, you know, quarterbacks yet, but obviously we have a, a transfer quarterback coming in and I've always been a, a Jack Tuttle fan, as you know. So I, I think uh, we need the quarterback play to be better, but, maybe it will be better. You know, we'll just have to see. Uh, I'd also think that uh, if you're asking me, you know, uh, for a note of caution, then, uh, you know, it always goes back to the offensive line. I mean, to me, the offensive line at any level of football on any football team is a real key to success and maybe the key to success. It means you can run the ball. It means you can, you can protect the quarterback and throw the ball. It means your offense can control the ball, which means your defense can get some rest. And it all comes back to the offensive line. And uh, maybe, you know, I don't know. I, mean, I, I think we got four or five solid guys. Maybe we need an extra player or two to emerge. And I think that we do. I think there's some young guys there that could do that. Uh, you know, coming in, I watched uh, DJ Moore's tape. I was, I was really impressed. And then there's, there's guys like, uh, you know, that we haven't seen like Josh sales and others, uh, 
uh, via cable and others who I think could play, could, could, could start. Uh, Killie O'Brien's another guy who got hurt, but he's got some ability. So it's going to be interesting to see the mix there, but the offensive line is, I think my caveat going into the year and, if they get at least adequate play from their offensive line, I think this could be a good football team. Yeah. Uh, TJ, on to you. Yeah. Speaking quickly on the offensive line, and you mentioned Thea Cable and, and DJ Moore, uh, Matt Weaver from, uh, from Peak does excellent work. And uh, he put out a recent kind of too deep projection, which he was very transparent saying, look, this is a guess. This is not any inside information here, but it's a guess. Uh, he had both Thea Cable and DJ Moore starting at the guard positions on the offensive line. So uh, he is a believer in, in their talent, and um, he knows a lot more about the offensive line than I do, and that, that's a good endorsement of at least their potential uh, to have an impact this season. So that I think that'd be a welcome uh, thing to have kind of that infusion of talent along that front line, but uh, you know, the, the, the reasons for optimism, I think Andy's right, a lot of talent infusion across this team. Um, I'm going to pick the system change on offense. Mm-hmm. There was absolutely change required. Um, is Walt Bell the answer? I don't know. Uh, but I think it is reasonable to be cautiously optimistic about there being a change. And I think that Walt Bell has shown in the past that in the right situation, he can have very productive offenses. Uh, There have been situations he's been in that that did not go well. Uh, But even in his bad years as an offensive coordinator, it was better than what we saw last season. And and in his good years, it was really entertaining and productive. So I'm optimistic about that. On the other side of the ball, optimistic about the play caller on defense as well as Tom Allen to call the defense. Uh, I, I have kind of blind faith in Tom Allen as a defensive play caller. Uh, I, I've never seen it not go well. And regardless of personnel, which I do think the defensive personnel is pretty darn good, uh, even if he didn't have the best of personnel, I would think the defense was going to be fine. And with pretty good personnel, plus Tom Allen calling the plays, and I think an absolute hunger from that group to prove that last year was a fluke, uh, particularly the back half of the season. I, I expect the defense to have a good year. Um, and I'd be very surprised if things were not much better on that side of the ball than what we saw in the back half of 2021, which I think Andy's right. We've talked about it before. I think they were completely and totally demoralized, knowing at the start of each and every game, man, if we give up double digits here, we're probably not going to win this game. Yep. And that's basically an impossible approach to have in today's college football, really in any era of college football uh, in, in the modern time. That's, that's going to be very hard for a defense to have to, to you know, live with. You're going to give up some points. You're going to give up some yards. But I I think that this defense this season is going to do a better job of forcing takeaways, a better job of applying pressure to the other offense, particularly the quarterback. Um, And I I expect there to be a little bit more help from the offense, not putting them in such terrible situations 
possession after possession. Um, my my reasons for kind of your your pessimistic glass half empty take. Uh, the offensive line is, is obviously the number one concern. Um, I will go with a slightly less obvious one. And my, my reason for maybe some pessimism is it's not very often that you see a complete changeover in coaching staff and personnel work out all that well. Uh, it does happen. It absolutely does. But if you're looking to history as an indicator of your most likely outcome, typically these things don't result in a 180 sea change. Um, it's usually kind of a gradual rebuild. And I don't know if that's something that IU fans have the patience to sit through. Um, because last year was such a rock bottom for this administration and this regime is, is a gradual rebuild of, okay, now we won four games and we saw some growth, but with the number of veterans on this team, I don't think that's going to be good enough. So you really do need to see a drastic leap in your win total to be able to say demonstratively, yes, we are on the right footing. Um, so my, my kind of cautious pessimism would be looking at history. That doesn't happen all that often. Uh, it yeah, is I possible. I do no, believe sorry, in it, but yeah. it, it, it's tough. Yeah, I completely agree with that, TJ. I think that's exactly right. Uh, I also, you know, because yeah, you got Walt Bell and all new coaching staff over there, essentially, and you have new faces. I don't know if Connor Bazelak is going to be the quarterback. I don't know if Jack Tuttle is going to be the quarterback. Uh, but you got a lot of new faces. And so that takes a while to gel normally. I think that that's absolutely right. But I, you know, when you look at this team and you think about it, you know, as you said, you know, you have to really up your win total to be around maybe the 500 mark to get people re-engaged or to, to get the belief going again. But bear in mind, I mean, a lot of these players have been around for a long time. You look at the defense. There's a lot of veterans over there that have started for like three or four years. And uh, those guys were part of a six and two team and part of an eight and four team as well. I mean, I, you know, that, that I, I kind of go back to that too. It's like, I, I look at last year's total disaster and say, yeah, it has to be a lot better than that. But a lot of these players were parts of teams that had winning records here just a couple of years ago. So we'll see. I mean, I, I think that, I think that there's some capacity here to get back to that 500 level, get back to that bowl eligibility level. I think if you win six games this year, I think people will be back on board. Would you, would you agree with that? I yes. would. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think yeah. that's a success. Yes. And, and I, and yeah. I think, and I think that this team on paper is capable of that. But as you said, I mean, we, we, there's so much going to be unknown heading into the season. I mean, we talk about the offensive line. Well, uh, Bell's been really hands-on in regard to the offensive line from what I've heard. Uh, and, you know, Craig Osika's on the staff now. It was uh, Von Dunbar center. If we're going to go back to Von Dunbar, he was the center on that Copper Bowl winning team uh, back in 1991. And uh, he's looking at the offense from a defensive point of view. 
but that's a pair of expert eyes, a former head coach, obviously coming in to, to help take a look at that. So it isn't, if, if it doesn't work well, if the offensive line doesn't play well, it's not going to be due to lack of attention. I, yeah, that's, I think it all comes down to the offensive line and if you can protect and keep your quarterbacks healthy um, and open up some running lanes for, uh, you know, Josh Henderson and Sean Shivers uh, and, and maybe even Jalen Lucas back there as well, that you're now a, a two-dimensional offense instead of being easy to prepare for and, and things like that, which IU became last year. So yeah. there, there are reasons to be optimistic. There are reasons to kind of lay back and say, uh, you know what, I'll wait and see. But it is still a very important year for IU. And I do think a successful season is just getting to a bowl game. And if you could get to a bowl game and win it, that's a great season. Um, yeah. But it, just just get to a bowl game um, and, and show that last year was kind of the outlier. And, and then you could build from there. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of good things going on with the NIL as well. You have the Hoosiers for good. You have Campus Inc. signed deals with uh, IU to, to promote players um, like selling uh, jerseys and jerseys and all that stuff. So I think there's a lot of things in place for IU football to be successful. It's now time to, and, and it's always a little rocky when you don't get to see the product and that's what we didn't get to see this spring. So, you know, I believe the first time we're going to see this team as media members is probably in the opener or at the very least um, when BTN comes to town uh, and, and has their uh, annual summer um, summer visits to, to these schools. But, you know, there's a little bit of mystery around IU football, and that's I don't think that's a bad thing. After last year, it's a good thing. Yeah. Yes. So, well, Andy and TJ, thank you for, for joining us. Andy, always a pleasure talking IU football with, uh, with you. Hopefully we'll, we'll get you back on here during the season, before the season, uh, to get your thoughts as well. So I appreciate uh, you taking the time and uh, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Thanks, likewise. It's always uh, it's it's fun listening to knowledgeable guys like yourself and TJ. It's uh, it's always a pleasure. I appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you, Andy. All right, that was Andy Graham, um, former cool. writer over. Really great. Yep, Andy. Andy's one of the best um, over at uh, the Bloomington Herald Times. Uh, TJ, we're going to end this podcast. People could uh, listen to it on wherever they find their podcast. Apple Music or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all those things. Subscribe and rate. You can follow us on Twitter as well at Hoosier underscore huddle um, and find us on the website at HoosierHuddle.com. Our countdown to kickoff is into the 80s. Uh, so we're getting right down, uh, right down to football. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. 